Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Andrew Hale. Well, hey, Pastor Brock is away at Harmony Christian today. He's over there celebrating. It's been a bit of a surprise for Ron Meyer, his father, who's been the pastor out there for 12, 15, maybe even 17 years. I'm not sure exactly the number, but he's been out there for a long time. And he is officially retiring, so he and Jackie are having a celebration during service today. Um, so they invited in different folks from Pastor, from Pastor Ron's life to come in and speak, and so Pastor Brock was able to go and celebrate and enjoy honoring his father today. And so we are here today, and if you have your bulletin on the front of those bulletins, at least since we've been here, on the very front, at the, um, there has been the phrase, welcome home on the front of those bulletin. I should have checked, is it still there? Okay, I see some head nods. All right, perfect, thank you Kathy and Jane. Um, great start. So where we're gonna go today is we're gonna welcome anybody with the intent to live with everybody. So we're here as a church family, but even outside of this church building, we are going to welcome anybody with the intent to live with everybody. So we're part of this community, whether we like them or not, maybe we have history or not, we're living alongside and with other people. Maybe we have great neighbors and friendships, maybe we have connection, whatever it might be. Maybe this is our first time here to Fairmount Friends, maybe you've been here for who knows how long. Just grateful that you're here, welcome. So glad to be able to be with you, this is a joy. And so welcome, and welcome to the world, welcome to faith, welcome to reality. Welcome home. And so I've um, got four subsections that I'm going to be getting into today as I just listed. Welcome to the world, welcome to, re- welcome to reality, welcome to faith, and welcome home. And so we're going to break those down here. And so as we live in this world, this world is wild and wonderful and wicked, is it not? It's wild and adventurous. There's so many different opportunities that we get to go and do. We could go out and we could jump off our roof if we wanted. We could go and land on a, on a uh, um, what's that thing called? A trampoline. Jessica knows I struggle with that word for some reason. Trampoline and land in the pool. It could be that there's a wildness out there in our jobs and the opportunities, the traveling we get to go and see and do. Maybe you've been able to travel internationally and to go and to see the wonderful creation, the different ways that God has molded and crafted this world as we get to experience it here in Fairmount, even to go to the park and enjoy the park and the walks that we get to have there, the folks that take care of that. Or maybe we get to travel internationally. I've been able to be able to travel to lots of B locations in my life. I've been to Berlin, Germany. I've been to Burundi, Africa. I've been to um, Belize, city Belize. And so it's just neat to be able to go and see the different creation that is out there. Isn't it wonderful? And we also know that in this world, there's a whole lot of stuff that maybe we would call wicked. And maybe we look at it as, that's wicked, that's terrible, that's evil, or maybe it's really, that's wicked awesome. And there's so many ways we can change and adjust and fix and twist words. But I really want to focus in on the fact that this wide world that we live in is wild, it's wonderful, and as much as it's God's creation, it is wicked. So I want to attempt to paint a picture of our lives, specifically bringing connection between the natural physical development of our bodies and lives to the development of spiritual growth. 
And so is there a connection there? Is there any parallels that we can draw and bring about as followers of Jesus of ourselves as Christians? And so when we are being welcoming into the world, we're welcoming maybe a infant or a baby. You know, life is at conception and we go through the whole process and then we have a birth. And so I'm fortunate to have little Warren here who is three and a half, four weeks old now. And so as we have lived life with him, along with our two-year-old, that's been just a fun, neat challenge. Kaylin has been so sweet with him, and we've just started trying to use a passy with him, and she's doing a champ job of it right now. Um, but he usually likes to spit that thing out. So Kaylin, in desire to be so helpful, loves to jam that back in his mouth. <laughs> Thank goodness he doesn't have teeth yet. She says, oh, no, brother, no cry. Bam. <laughs> and so we're practicing Kaylin gentle. Gentle touches, nice touches, um, just, she's, she's a hoop. And so, as we've been dealing with him, with the birth of a child also comes a lot of late nights, comes a lot of early mornings, comes a lot of sleepless nights, or lots of, am I awake or asleep? Is he crying or not? Is he, do I got to change another diaper? Um, and so a couple nights ago, about a week or two, yes, head nod, yes, more diaper changes, absolutely. And so we were... Waking up, it's about three in the morning, and um, Warren had pooped his diaper, and so I get up to change it. I try to change as many diapers in the middle of the night as I can, because I can't really help with the other part of the midnight piece. Um, so I try and change diapers. And so I'm changing this poopy diaper, and so I, I go to, to wipe to take care of that lower region of his body, and I somehow managed to uncork a flood from the lower region of the body. And so as I'm trying to catch all that's coming out from his rear, can you guess what happened next? He starts spitting up out of the other end of his body. And so I'm like, okay, that's good. And I'm running over here. I'm trying to wipe him, making sure he's not choking. And so as he's spitting up, it's, it's streaming out the other end. And so then I'm pivoting to that other end of the body. And so as I'm wiping that away, can you guess what's next, especially with the little boy? That's right. He goes off. And so he is now over here coming out the other end, and he has a stream going. And it is warm, and I know this because I put my hand over it <laughs> to try and stop it from going anywhere else. And so it's going down my arm. It's going all over him. And all you can do is wait, right? And so he's had a poopy diaper with a flood, followed by spitting up, followed by a stream of fluid. And then as I'm, you know, we're taking off his clothes, we're, he's, we're cleaning him up, we're wiping him down, we're pretty much giving him a midnight bath. And then as I'm changing him, he spits up again, of course, he has to. He spits up again, so we get that cleaned up, I get the new diaper on, starting to put his clothes on, and he defecates one more time, right after we put on the new diaper. So fortunately, we didn't have to change that onesie, but he did unload. And welcome to my world right now. <laughs> welcome to my world. Welcome to the world, little one, right? And so he is fully living where he is. That is what he does. He eats, he sleeps, he cries, and he poops. Did I miss anything? Is there anything else they do? That's about it. And he like looks at us and he makes this stretching face. It's just fun. And Kaylin says, no, no, it's okay. It's okay, brother, brother, brother. 
And so as he is fully living where he is, he is living out his purpose right now. He is fully living out what it is to be an infant, a newborn. And what does it look like for us to fully live out where we are, to live where we are, to live present, to live in life-changing ordeals, to be intentional in those instead of running away from situations, circumstances. Maybe we've got some coming up right now and you are terrified about them and you'd rather just ignore them. Or you'd rather say, hey, can someone else come in and deal with this? Hey, there's someone else that has, this, this can't be my life right now. Or is it, what does it look like for us to then seek to pursue and step into those circumstances? Not that we have to be fully confident and arrogant or cocky, but to know that maybe I've got some trembling in my fingers and my knees are knocking, and yet I still know that this is my cross to carry, this is my burden to bear, so I'm going to step into life and to live that out, to live with life-changing ways so that people maybe take notice. Hey, he handled that. How did he handle that? Can I, you tell me your story? And maybe on the surface it looked calm, cool, and collected, but underneath we know the reality is, is that we all are trembling, we're shaking, and that's where courage steps in. And so what are we living out? What is my life producing? And really, I think the bigger, deeper, ruder question would be, is what is the condition of my soul? What is actually going on inside of me? What is actually my thought on this thing? What is it that I'm actually experiencing, feeling? What is it that is going on? And as I think about those questions, sometimes, I, I warned Jessica that I was gonna to go with this, but sometimes I wonder what my life would be like if I wasn't married. Not in a dream like, like I hope that, just wondering what would life be like. Just ponder that, just to wonder. Wouldn't it be nice, no kids, freedom to come and go as you please. Do what I please when I want to do it. Not worrying about bedtimes, bath times, dirty diapers. Not concerned about the needs of my wife. Wouldn't life be better that way? I could just go and do. I could, just, I could even go make a difference in people's lives. I would be freed up to be able to go and be at the school to do this, to do that. And I would get to live where I am however I chose. And I could even be freer to make a difference if that was my aim. And would it be possible my soul would be happier if I could spend my time doing what I want to do? Is the goal of my life to be happy? Maybe. Do I like to be happy? Yeah, that's neat, that's fun, that's cool. But would my soul actually be happier if I wasn't married specifically to Jessica? And my answer is, yeah, there may be other things I could do with my time, my energy, my efforts, my incessant need to be doing something with my body. If you spend any time around me, you'll notice that I'm always moving my fingers, cracking my knuckles, my, I'm one of those bouncers. So if I'm coming to visit your house and you notice the table moving, that's probably me. Because I have a need to just be active. I love to be active. I love to play sports. I love to be around people in a competitive environment. I love people who can challenge me in one moment and we're ready to just go and play in the next. And I would spend a large portion of my time trying to get others to like me and to love me for what my skills are capable of producing. And... I think that I would be so dissatisfied. I would be so disappointed. I would be so lost if that was the goal and focus of my life. 
I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm just saying that as much as I love to do those things, I love to be involved. I love to be active. I love to be in the midst of whatever's going on. The organized chaos of it all. I would know that if I didn't have and wasn't where I am now without my wife, without my children, I would be so dissatisfied. And scripture really goes for it on, in a couple different passages when it comes to talking about living our life with purpose, when it comes to talking about being active in our community, when it talks about being active and intentional with what am I doing with my life, what am I producing, what is going on with my soul. And when we're not seeking Jesus, when we're living differently, we're living apart, separated, cut off from him, either by lack of awareness or lack, lack of desire, we know that we can just be living in sin. Even as Christians, I think we can all agree that there's still things we do that maybe either ourselves or others would call sinful. And where do we, if I'm redeemed and restored, why do I continue to sin? Why do I continue to live in this way to do that thing that I do not want to do, but I do the things I, I do the things I don't want to do, but I don't do the things that I do want to do. And so James 4, 4, and I say, said these, these next two passages really are going for it, and I'm, we'll, we'll hash them out. James 4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And where I'm going with that passage, if you leave it up for a moment, Tracy, is to just look at the idea that if I am in love with the world, if I'm wanting to be active and involved in the things that are going on, I'm involved with sports, I'm involved with whatever committee, I'm involved with whatever organization, I'm involved just in my family life, I'm involved with watching YouTube videos. I'm involved with, with however I choose to spend my time as an indication of what I value. And so if I'm in love with the world, is there room for Jesus in that? And I think we, we try to play that, that middle ground like, well, Jesus, I could have both. I could love you and I could enjoy this thing. And I think God does create the world to be enjoyed. It's not just to be a rule following. It's not just to be, I have to fit in this particular box and I have to look a certain way, I have to dress a certain way, I have to act a certain way. I think there's helpful features and there's things that we can do that maybe are better. But to look at this passage and to know that friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God. He doesn't mince words here. He doesn't say, ah, oh, you know, just be friendly and be nice. No, he says, if you love the world, there is not room for me. And so we could be friendly, as it says there, the word friend. We could be friendly, we can be accepting, we can say, hey, come on in, we love you. Do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be. We're going to support you, encourage you, just make sure you have a good life and a happy life. At face value, that's not bad. At face value, like, that's, that's helpful. A lot of people don't even have those things. But what we're contending for is something better. To be a friend is to welcome and to not leave someone where they're at to welcome someone in through those doors and then just to say, hey, come on in, worship with us as often as you can, and we'll love to see you every Sunday. If you wouldn't mind past make, making sure putting a few bucks on the plate, that'd be cool. Um, we've got life groups, check them out if you want. But no, what we're doing is we wanna be in challenge and we would be intentional. We wanna make sure that we don't leave ourselves where we're at. If we're walking in this church building and we're walking out the same, to me that's disappointing on, on my front, that, that's on me. And yet at the same time, we have ownership of our own lives. We have something to do. I have something not just to go and, and do whatever community thing, but to actually look at my life, what is going on in my soul, and what am I going to do that's not just going to be a friendly thing, but to actually be a friend. 
Another passage that goes for it, 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And so for, for me, that brings us into this welcoming into reality, that we look at this passage and we see that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires that we have, the pride that we take in our possessions, it's not from the Father. God doesn't just bless and give cars and give things away and say, hey, look, that was me, now glorify me. He does give blessing, but so many times it's for the betterment of our soul. It's for the good of his followers. And so often the good of ourselves is not in the practical possessions. Helpful. But we know that ultimately Jesus is after our hearts. And so as we look at reality, you know, thinking about, about Warren as, as my infant, at some point he's going to become aware of a broader reality of life. There's going to be things in life that occur that knock him off his sock, to knock his socks off, to knock him off balance, that caused him to be like, wait, what is this thing? Why is this happening? Is this real? That only happens to people in stories and on the news. That doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen now. And I think we all know that we have those moments that are just reality riveting. They bring reality real, that we are There's events that occur that are doubt inciting that make us question and wonder, God, where are you in this? God, I'm so mad at you right now. I have no interest in being a part of you. Maybe it's it's a reality circumstance that caused things to become defeating. Maybe it's disoriented. Maybe it's traumatizing and causing the reality of life and to have us understand how fragile life actually is. So I think it's significant that we know that we live out what we live within. Talk to us, buddy. Sometimes reality just makes us want to cry, doesn't it? And so we live out what we live within. So again, if we're looking at the condition of our spirit, the condition of our soul, what we're living out, even if we're fighting against maybe the brokenness or the hurts or the muck and the grime of what we feel like our soul is in, maybe we live out those good things trying to make it feel better But in reality, what needs to happen is there has to be a movement or transformation by Jesus that allows that muck and grime to be cleaned cleaned and washed away so that we can do those things that make a difference in a way that also is a difference making for us. So as we know, as we live, we live with our neighbors, we live in our work context, we live in our church context. Context constructs our conscience. So as we think about things, as we are mindful of what is it that moves my spirit, is it something that is... Sports related, I know football season's starting soon, that gets some people fired up. College football started yesterday. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a social justice something, or maybe it's just awareness of what's going on in people's lives. Maybe it's just social gossip and that gets me going and I just can't help but know, I gotta share it. I, it it's just nice to know things, right? And so what we think about is bent through a lens, through a perspective, through our experiences of the realities of life. So what you have experienced has adjusted and affected those lenses that you look through. So what I'm not saying is that there are alternate realities or that each of us should figure out our own reality. I am saying that we live out what we live within. We can't just change and adjust and make things different and it's just going to be all good. We know ultimately the further source, the deeper root is that soul 
condition. So as we live out what we live within, I think the same is true of God. God is incapable of living around unrighteous things. He lives out what he lives within. All that his being, nothing else can handle being in that presence. Everything else is obliterated. There's no shadow. And yet as we live in this life, we know that scripture, and maybe it's just innate in us, we know that we should do good things, we do good works, we try to help people, we serve, we come in, we try to encourage, and maybe I fumble through it and I do a terrible job encouraging, they actually walk away more upset, but I tried to encourage them. And we know that scripture tells us that our good works are like filthy rags. There's nothing that we can do. We can't do anything to pay off our debt. There's nothing we can do to stop ourselves from smelling. Scripture tells us that our filthy rags are, are like burnt offerings that are a stench to the Lord. And so in, in order to remove that smell that we just can't get off, I continue to try and scrub, and I know that I need to step away from that thing, and I'm going to go this way, and yet I know that it's still affecting me. It still has caused my perspective and my lens to be off. And so we know that, for those that are Christians, we know that God had to do that. Maybe you've heard it before, whether you're, you're a follower of Jesus or not. We know that God had to be the one to remove that stench. He had that shampoo and that soap. He loved us so much that he put that stench and that spit up and those dirty diapers, and he put that stuff on someone else. Something else that would make us smell better. It's kind of like we can't remove the smell of a backyard fire from our clothes. That's just one of Jessica's favorite smells. You just pull up that sweatshirt you're going to be wearing here in a couple months after that fire, and you just breathe it in, and then you sleep in it because you love it so much, and you wake up the next morning and breathe it in again. You just can't get rid of that smell. You can't get rid of that stench. And that's, that's a wonderful smell, and yet we know that as we look at sin, as we look at the realities of life, as we've been wounded, as we've been dinged, as we've been beat up, as we've done things to other people as well, we know that if we're living away from Jesus, that stench is disgusting. It's not a lovely perfume. It's rancid like spoiled milk. As much as I try to wash it off, as much as I try to clean it, as much as I try to fix it and go in and try and, and apologize there's still a stain, there's still a taint that holds on to our bodies, holds on to our soul. And so God puts all of our stench, all the sin we have on Jesus. We don't stand a chance without this happening. God puts all of our stench on Jesus, and he's totally just in doing so. He's totally just in that he could say, nah, you wear that, you put it on, you wear it, you live life, you figure it out. He's 100% just. And we also know that he's 100% merciful. He's not 50-50. He's 100% of both all the time. How he goes about making those decisions and how to distribute it, how to make a difference in us, I know we won't ever understand. But he's 100% both. And so he chooses to lead us. He chooses to attract us to Jesus. And so instead of now that we've lived in our rancid milk smell, we're used to it. We're, you know, if you get in a car that somebody drives their dogs in a lot, it has that dog smell, and they've got that wonderful um, scent in the front of their vehicle, but we know. We know. We have car, dogs in our car, so... 
don't know if you want to ride with me in the car anymore. Um, but we have this, this smell, this attractive aroma. We're so used to our stench that we notice this other smell that's out there, and now we're, I'm being attracted to it. And so I'm, I'm looking, well, where is that coming from? And maybe I'm going to start walking towards it. It smells so good. Like last week, we had the marvelous meal, so thank you so much to those who are part of that. And all of us, most of us couldn't help but walk down the stairs, even if we're planning on leaving because of the aroma. And so as we said, the same is true of God. God is incapable of living around unrighteous things. He can't even be around me. Not because he won't, but because I can't. And so without the blood of Jesus, we can't be in his presence. We can't enter his courts. We won't be able to enter the throne room. But he took all of our stench, our sin, those are the things that have caused damage to other people, things that we've been dinged up with. I'm not saying that other people's sin are now on us. I'm saying that we still have to experience the consequences of what other people have done and will do in the future. But because of the blood of Jesus, we get to be with him. And when I think about that, I think about the fact that God chooses to be with us And what that could do is cause me to become cocky, to become arrogant. Well, he loves me. I must be pretty cool. I must be all that. I must have it all together. I've got this thing. I'm disciplined. I get up at whatever time in the morning, and I make my bed. And I go out and make that wonderful breakfast that my, fam- my kids will not eat. And I go out, and I crush it at work, and I come home, and we take care of this whatever thing. You know, I can go to, I can go to God anytime. But I have to become humbled. I have to realize and believe that I'm not all that, that I am so needy, that I cannot separate myself from the reality of a broken life. Scripture tells us that for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death. And the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if we were to be so adventurous as to say that, we, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. And so we have to submit. We have to come under mission. So perhaps we think to ourselves when someone comes in that back door sometime, what are they doing here? Why would they think they could come? Why, should, why would they want to come to church? I know what they do. That's, this isn't really a place for that person. You just don't, it just, you're just not going to fit here. There's just not a place But I think when we're in the right place with God, that person walks in the door, whoever it might be, whoever you're picturing right now, I will do anything to care for, I will cherish, I will meet their needs, and we become very accepting as a church, we become very accepting as individuals, as married couples, as families, when we actually seek and believe and trust in this Jesus guy, and for him to change our soul condition. So I'm not saying, who are you, but to say, who are you? Come on in. Maybe that person, they come in, and they haven't been washed off yet. Maybe they come in, and you can even smell whatever that smell might be. And it stinks. Is it possible that Jesus could help remove that smell? Jesus could be the one to make that stench go away. But is Jesus going to walk in the door right now? That would be cool. But we know that 
we are called to be all ministers of the gospel, especially as friends. It's professed that we are ministers of the gospel. It's not just the pastor. It's not just the paid person to go and do the stuff. But we are all called. We are all then hopefully equipped by our church leaders to go and to invite in, to start putting the blood of Christ on that person, becoming Christians, Christ-like. Without that view, we cannot see him as Christ-like ways. So at Quaker Haven Camp, the last few years, there's been a game called squelch. Does anybody get bothered by that word, squelch? So it's a game that our interns came up with last summer when I was able to be involved with leadership for the yearly meeting camps. And so that was our intern crew there in the middle bottom picture. So they came up with the game and they asked permission of our, the executive director of the camp, hey, can we take this part of this athletic field and can we tear it up? Can we get it so wet? Can we get it so sopping, soggy, and then have kids go line up behind buckets and go roll around in it. And then after they've rolled around in it, they have to get up without hurting themselves somehow and they have to then go and run back to their team's bucket and wipe the mud off. And it's fun. (laughs) The kids have absolutely loved it enough so they did it again this past Summer. So the goal being, like I said, they stand up behind the buckets and everybody in their team goes through. You have to run in. You jump in this giant mud pit. You can see Will in the top right picture in the blue. He is up to there in the mud pit. I mean, this thing is not just like a surface level thing. They worked at this thing. They went out in the middle of the night multiple times and rolled in it trying to help just get it mucky and dirty and grimy and gross. Some of your rings may have been lost. We encourage kids to take them out, but they still don't. And so they're, they're going and they're playing this game called Squelch. Melanie, you look like you would love this game. You're giving me like the stink face. Like, do not, I'm not going to camp at all if you're going to make me play that game. And so just to take that illustration of if we're wiping the mud off, right, wiping the stench off of my life, I'm wiping the stench off of my body and I can't get it all off. I've still got mud showing. I've still got smears, especially if I'm wearing a white shirt. You can just tell. You can tell where I've wiped. You can have other people on your team trying to wipe you off, and you've still got mud on you just because that's what mud does. So if you take nothing else away from today, that's what mud does is the phrase that we can run away with. So we're wiping this mud off the sin. It's impossible to get off. In fact, it stains everything. We tell the kids beforehand, do not wear nice shoes wear your rattiest shirt, wear a swimsuit or old shorts, something, because we know, we don't reveal what the game is until they get there, but we know what's gonna happen. So in this bottom right picture, you see that we've got kiddos that then we, after we play the game, we take pictures, everybody who doesn't wanna get mud on them eventually gets mud on them, and we all go down to the lake. So we go to the lake and everybody dives in and you're watching it, come off and you're trying to rub under there, you're making sure it's out of your hair, you're making sure it's out of your armpits, you're making sure it's out of your pants and your shirts and you know that it's still going to rub you rough later. And you go and you rinse off and yet the water went from clear to murky to dirty. And not only do we get to see that, but also to think about the fact that we needed something else to come in and clean us with this water. We needed other people to help us clean off 
but it also is that, that, that stuff, that murk, that stench that I rubbed off into that water. It's not like I'm the only one in the water. There's other people that that is going and affecting. So even as we're getting clean, even as we're getting cleansed, it might have an effect that affects other people. And maybe in ways that we don't want, but it's still worthwhile getting that stench wiped off to wiped clean. The other, the other piece I want to make sure to say is that the only way to make our way from that athletic field down to the lake front is to run across camp. And there's other people on camp. Strangers, people that aren't part of the camp program, they're staying where the lodge is, they're staying in the campground. And so the reality of sometimes with life is that even as I'm in the muck and the dirt and the mud, and I'm on my, I'm running full tilt to get down to that lake to get cleaned off, there's people that are watching me. There's people that see that and think, look at that, look at that guy. What have they been doing? Why would they be running right now? Are they running away from something? Like, should I be running away from whatever mud thing is coming at us? But in doing so, our mess comes off, it sits in the water, it touches others, but the water keeps the mess off and it carries it away. And so nobody makes it without the blood of Jesus. No one caring or honoring, you could be the most honoring person in the world and yet we cannot make it to heaven, we don't get to live a life that's different without the blood of Jesus. You could be the most wicked and sinful person, nobody's making it to heaven without Jesus. And so reality of that, if we allow that to sink in as maybe we picture this game of squelch, maybe we've played it, maybe we want to go play it now. Nobody? All right. Um, but nobody makes it without the blood of Jesus. And reality drives us to the altar, and the altar is either to serve ourselves or to fall to our knees, to live lives devoted to self-possession, self-preservation, that I see that mud and I don't want it off, so I'm going to go rinse it off and I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to figure out how to take care of it myself. And I'm going to do my life, and I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to make a difference even. I'm going to be happy. Scripture tells us, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. But Scripture also tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so when we come to the altar of scraped knees, the hardship of life does not stop, but our resolve to face life alive and breathing is strengthened. So in Hebrews 11, um, 13 to 14, then verse 16, is a passage. So Hebrews 11 is known as the faith passage. It's the, it's the faith chapter. And so it goes through and it lists off all of these different heroes of the Bible who have lived lives that we would consider faithful Lives, the people that stood out and had lives that are noteworthy, that they had stories in the Bible that we get to read and experience today. And it talks about how these people um, died in faith, not having received things promised. So these people are faithful, they're living expectantly, they're living looking ahead and hopeful of that which is to come, and yet all of these heroes of the faith do not receive the promise that they were promised which as I was studying for this blew my mind because they lived these lives. They had these things that are in the Bible wouldn't they have received? And yeah, they had blessings and yeah, there were things that they experienced and yeah, there was pieces of life that they had victory in, but they did not receive the promise that was made to them. The promise of faith, the promise of what was to come. 
And yet, we know that they lived with expectation. They lived with faith. As we said a couple weeks ago, faith is hope. Not blind, but hope in what we know is to become. And we're just waiting for it to happen. We're waiting expectantly. We're waiting not just sitting. We're waiting actively. We're waiting and doing. We're waiting and making a difference. We're waiting and we're living a life that is impactful. And while all these people, though, commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. And so this Hebrews 11 is a monstrous passage summarizing further adventures and exploits. So as we look at faith, as we look at how faith can be freeing, faith is available for everyone, and faith is a focus here. Faith is something that we emphasize here in Fairmount, friends. And so we get to do faith, we get to do life, we get to do adventures under the umbrella of Fairmount, the town, under the umbrellas of Fairmount Friends, under the flavor of Quakerism. So as I look at Fairmount Friends, I just say, welcome home. Hopefully this passage has been, or this message has been encouraging. It's been a little heavier than I thought it would be. But I hope that you've had experience, whether in the greeting time or coming in, or even as you leave here today, that you're being welcomed with warmth, that you're being welcomed with authenticity, you're being welcomed with an incessant encouragement to do, to speak, and to live. Here at Fairmount Friends, we will not stop preaching the gospel, and we will not stop urging you to live a life worthy of the calling that we have each received. Say one more thing and then pray. So I encourage you as you go from here, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Let's pray. Jesus, as we've been here today, God, maybe this Sunday has gone exactly like we thought. Maybe it's gone completely different. Maybe it's been a new experience. Maybe it's been adventurous. Maybe it's been inspiring. Maybe it's been defeating. God, wherever you're meeting us at, God, we want to respond to you. We want to be encouraging of others. God, we want to be intentional with our actions and our words. God, we want to be people who are alive, people who are on fire, people who are willing to admit that I am running with mud and muck all over me. I'm running to that water, and I want to be made clean, Jesus. God, I've got a stench on me that I can't get off. I rub it, and I squeeze it, and I try to get rid of it, and God, it will not go away. Only because of Jesus. Only because of what you did on the cross, Lord. Do we get to do what we do? We get to be free into worship. We get to live with faith, and we get to be welcomed home. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.